the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome. You are listening to Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston, New England's oldest African-American church. Hope and Faith Ministry features the inspirational sermons of my father, Dr. Wesley Roberts, Senior Pastor at People's Baptist Church. We're so glad you're here. Dr. Roberts has a powerful message of hope and love for your life and mine. Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston. The title of the message today is Love Made Visible. Love Made Visible. Using the text 1 John chapter 4, 7 through 12. Today is Valentine's Day, and preachers all across the country will be preaching on love. They will point to the futility of trying to find true happiness in the world's definition of love. Love, they will say, is more than flowers delivered to your office, more than candy in a heart-shaped box, more than a sentimental card, more than a sappy song on the radio. Love is more than all of that. One of our greatest needs as human beings is the need to love and be loved. So why do you think that love is so important to us as human beings? When you consider the effect that love has on us, the amount of time we spend in life pursuing it, the pain it can cause us, the priority that it has in our world, it is clear that we are obsessed with love. Love is important to us because it is hardwired into our being. We are created with, um, with love as a part of who we are. You see, we were created in God's image. Therefore, we were created in the image of love, for God is love. The very breath within us throbs with love, and this is why we seek love from parents as infants, love from our friends as children, love from our spouse as adults, love from our children as parents, love from our community as neighbors, and love from God as created beings. Love comes from God and God alone. And the corruption that we see in the world is a direct result of sin destroying the love that we seek. Like all things, sin and the evil one have taken what God has created and made it illegitimate. So what we need to seek this Valentine's Day is a way to return to the love that God intended There's nothing wrong with the mushy love of romance, but we must understand that as children of God, we are called 
to God's kind of love, not just the watered-down stuff that the world offers. The, the word love is used in the New Testament as seeking the welfare and the happiness of others. This is the way it is used in John chapter 3 and verse 16, where John says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You see, in the Greek language, there are three words for love. In English, we only have one word, and this is what creates um, a lot of confusion for us. You see, um, in the Greek, there is phileia, which describes a relationship between friends. And then there is eros, which describes a relationship between a man and a woman. And the English erotic comes from the Greek word eros. And then the, the, third, um, the third word is agape, which is used only in the New Testament and describes God's kind of love, self-giving love. Agape has nothing to do with feeling or liking somebody. John uses the word agape 28 times in the 21 verses in 1 John chapter 4. And today we're looking at uh, verses 7 through 12. And the three ideas John wants us to grasp are, first, love one another is very important. Love for one another is very important. In verses 7 and 8 of 1 John chapter 4, John says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is born of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And then in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 11, he also says, This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. It's love is a decision of the will, but it is also something every Christian will want to do because of the relationship we have with God. It's when we become Christians, when we are given a new and divine nature, God's love is imparted to us by the Holy Spirit. It's something that we receive when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Consequently, the natural thing for the believer in Christ is to love. Loving one another is simply the manifestation of the divine nature which he has implanted in us. You see, when you first accepted Christ as your Savior, if you were an adult, uh, you probably noticed a desire to be kind and helpful to people who earlier you resented and wanted to avoid. Co-workers who used to get on your nerves and upset you now become the recipients of kindness 
and they notice the change in your attitude and behavior. You see, that was God's love at work in you. As Christians, we are to love each other, not because they are lovable or nice or pleasant to us. It does not matter whether a person is rich or poor, black or white, young or old, male or female, Republican or Democrat. We have an obligation to love them if we are believers in Jesus Christ. Love sees one thing only, and that is, here is another person created in the image of God, like me, with all the longing, the heartaches, the hopes, the dreams, and frustrations of life like me. Here is another person struggling as I am with the problems of life. What can I do to help, love says. That kind of love, says John, comes from God. Therefore, wherever the life of God is present, there you will find love. And if love is not found, then the life of God is not present. It is no good claiming that you know God if the love of God is not found in your life. If you cannot treat people in a loving manner and see beyond their irritating qualities that may offend you and be nice to them, if your, if your reaction to uh, those who offend you is one of opposition, rejection, and instant antagonism, then it is no good saying that you belong to God. That is not God's life. That is not God's love. So John's argument is that if the life of God is present in us, the love of God will be there as well. But secondly, John points to God's love as seen in his action at Calvary. In his action at Calvary. Verse, verses 4 or verses 9 and 10 of First John chapter 4 says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. It is not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. In Romans 5 and verse 8, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Then 1 Peter 3, 18, For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. So note the character of God's love. It is love for those who are his enemies. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. What world? The world made up of men and women like you and me 
the world that consists of the people who fill the pages of our newspapers and, and uh, you can see it on television with the ugly reports of crime, violence, deceit, greed, hate, perversion, and a thousand other sins. I don't know about you, but there are times the negative attitudes and ugly behavior of people I know really upsets me. But I have to remind myself that evil is also in my heart and in the heart of every human being. You see, God sees the ugliness in my heart and in the hearts of all humanity. He sees our rebellion, our disobedience, and our self-will. And what is his response to us? Is it anger? Is it rejection? Is it judgment? No, it is love. He loves sinful human beings so much that he gave himself to rescue us from our sins. In the person of his son, Jesus Christ, God came and lived among us and died upon a cross of shame in the very world his hands made. Why? Why? So that the chains of fear, hate, and evil, which bind us and shackle us, might be broken and that he might transform us into his children to live with him for all eternity. I know of no message on God's earth that has such hope and love and joy and peace and satisfaction for the human heart as God dying to save undeserving sinners like you and me. John says, if you want to measure love, use that as your standard. Do not measure love by the warm affection of your heart toward God. You see, naturally, if God has blessed you, has helped you, has healed you, has strengthened you, you will feel a warm affection toward him arising within you. But that is not the measure of love. It is when you love your enemy, when you forgive those who have wronged you, when you help those in need, when you love people who deserve only your scorn, when you overlook the faults of others, and when you consider the needs of others above yourself. Can you imagine a world where marriages stay together because people agreed to love no matter what, till death do us part? Can you imagine a world where, where people love the sick and poor with a sacrificial love? Can you imagine a world where people loved each other regardless of their race, religion, class, or ability? Can you imagine that kind of love? And so John moves on to say that we have an obligation, number three, we have an obligation to love one another. We have an obligation to love one another. And so in verse 11 of John chapter 4, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Here's the answer to every lame excuse on our part which says, Oh, I just can't love that person. You don't know what he or she is like. If you had to live with him or her as I have, you wouldn't be able to love him or her either. 
You see, John is saying, if you have experienced a new birth, if you have been to the cross and have felt the overwhelming power of God's love for you, you ought to love one another, not because they love you or because they deserve your love. We are too apt to look at the worthiness of those that we want to help. But God is gracious to the unthankful and to evil people. He makes the sun to rise and his rain to fall on the unjust as well as the righteous. Therefore, as his children, we have an obligation to love the unlovely and the unloving. But just as God has a special love for his own people, we who belong to him ought to have a special love for all who are his, who are part of the family of God. Of course, if we don't have the life of God in us, we cannot love one another as God requires. So do not try to fake love for others, as so many do all the time. So how do you know uh, they are faking love? You see, when they seem so nice to your face, but cut you to pieces behind your back by gossip and backbiting. You see, that is not love, because love is consistent. I read about a preacher uh, who told the story of a man in the church that he pastored in the South who was thought of to be a very good man because of his outward appearance of religion. He would get up and sing in front of the congregation with great effectiveness. He was able to move people to tears with his songs. He served in the church for many years as a deacon, a trustee, a treasurer, and an elder. He was always in church when the doors were opened. He had memorized many passages of scripture and could quote them word for word. He volunteered for many acts of service. He lived a morally pure life. He was a pillar of the church and a very religious man. Yet, he was also known as a very hateful man. Not only did he have a sour disposition, a vengeful heart, and an acid tongue, but he was a member of a well-known southern hate group. But according to John, he did not know God, no matter how many outward signs of religion he showed. You see, without love, all of his religion was useless because he did not know the God of love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7 says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. You see, it is not the words, I love you, that is important. It is your action. 
love is an action. Love is what love does, not what love feels or thinks. Actions speak louder than words. And that is the test of love. It's whenever we are willing to love, God will do the loving through us. Look at verse, verse 12 of First John 4. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Now this is a wonderful truth that John expresses here. And if you get nothing else from this sermon, get this particular truth. God's love cannot be seen in nature. All you have to do is look at the killer storms and, and uh, look at the animals. One animal preys on another and one fish feeds on another. In nature there is a survival of the fittest. The only place the love of God can be seen apart from Calvary is in those who share his nature that is born again believers. God's love is made visible to an unbelieving world when Christians love to show love to one another. More people will be drawn to Christ and the church by being, uh, by seeing Christians loving each other than by all of the singing and shouting and testifying that we do in church. As long as we are nice only to our friends or those who are nice to us, one has um, no idea of the fact that we are believers. But when we start being nice to those who are difficult and um, very critical of us, when we start returning good for evil, when we start being patient, tender, thoughtful, and considerate of others who are stubborn and, and selfish to us, then people get the sense that God is present. People may not be acquainted with the four Gospels, the Gospel of Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John, but they are always reading the Gospel according to you. If they cannot read it clearly, it is because there is not much display of the love of God in your life as a Christian. You see, God is pleased when we express his love in deliberate acts of kindness, thoughtfulness, and consideration one to another. The result, says John, is that God's love is complete in us. What does John mean by that statement? He means that God's love reaches its ultimate and final conclusion only when it becomes visible in us. You see, God's love is incomplete and incomprehensible until it is displayed or demonstrated or exhibited in a living human being in flesh and blood in you and me. In 1962, Ernest Gordon wrote a book called Through the Valley of the Kwai. It is a story of God made visible in loving action. During World War II, Ernest Gordon spent three and a half years in a Japanese prison camp. He told of how the prisoners first turned to God, expecting him to come to their aid immediately. As time passed and the prisoners uh, were not 
delivered, they felt that God had forsaken them. The Japanese soldiers treated the prisoners brutally. A selfish type of existence emerged among the prisoners. They fought with each other over the slightest provocation. They stole from each other. They refused to care for the sick and dying or even to bury their dead. Gordon related how a miracle of love happened in the camp. It started when just a few people started practicing self-giving love. The prisoners nursed Ernest Gordon while he was seriously ill. One man starved to death while sharing food to keep another man alive. One prisoner took an undeserved execution rather than allow the entire work crew to be executed. The self-giving love of the few became contagious. Prisoners began to help each other. They nursed the sick, helped the weak, comforted the dying, and buried the dead. The prisoners not only helped their fellow prisoners, but they also found opportunities to help their captives, their enemies. You see, if we claim to know Jesus Christ, then we must choose to love as Jesus did. We must forgive those who have wronged us. We must uh, love those who don't deserve it. We must sacrifice for those who cannot repay us. God's kind of love will offer sympathy to those who sorrow, assistance to those who are in need, comfort to those who fear, hope to those who are in despair, encouragement to those who are discouraged, and healing to those who hurt. This love will reach out to the lonely, to the prodigal, the underprivileged, the disabled, the wounded, the hopeless, the oppressed, the troubled, and the sinner. This kind of love knows no limitations. It knows no boundaries. It will turn the other cheek. It will go the second mile and the third mile and the fourth mile or whatever is necessary in order to salvage it and to strengthen somebody else. It will defend the orphans, strengthen the weak, comfort the dying, clothe the naked, feed the hungry, visit the incarcerated, regardless of the time or the costs involved. Where this kind of love is, burdens become lighter, hearts become tender, words become sweeter, lives become richer, hopes become brighter, conflicts become fewer, attitudes become better, and deeds become kinder. So love can inspire the weary, uplift the depressed, conquer the rebellious, unite the divided, assure the anxious, bless the burdened, refresh the exhausted, strengthen the feeble, and comfort the miserable. Isn't it good to love and be loved? Oh, to God be the glory. Great things just done in our lives. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 8 a.m. and at 1045 a.m. You can reach us at 617-427-0424. Come visit us in person or on the web at www.pbcboston.org. 
And tune in every Saturday morning at 1030 for another inspiring message of hope and faith. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.